Awesome. So I'm, I'm just, uh, I have, uh, we've been preaching all day. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, so uh, there's been a message that's been brewing throughout the day. I just want to close the message uh, in, an, in um, what you should expect to be of two or three minutes. Uh, but I do, I really uh, want you to understand that the sermon has been preached throughout this time. I love, uh, I simply want to build on what Ryan challenged our seniors, our graduates. It's the same challenge for us. I mean, we, we just got through participating together in what we've been studying for the last five weeks in Colossians, the first book, or the first book, the first chapter, the 15th verse through the 23rd verse. We've been talking about the supremacy of Christ, and He is the I Am. That he is the great and incredible God that we move our lives toward. We just finished a song singing about that, that said, what a glorious day. It was, it was a glorious song that talked about God giving himself, manifesting himself, if you will, as the creator and maker of all good things, and then stepping down on this planet and living out all good things, giving himself and his life for us. And then, and then we started singing a song. We, we were actually singing this together. And, and I just thought, what, you know, what, if, what if we actually believe this, that Jesus, who was resurrected from the dead, who conquered death, hell, and the grave actually will return one day and the dead in Christ will rise first. Those of us who are still living will rise with them. There will be this glorious crescendo, not just of the dead in Christ rising and us rising, but the thousands upon thousands and 10,000 by 10,000 who will be shouting of the goodness of God. There will be, there will be trumpets that will be blaring. There, and it might, might be a little loud. Some of you won't like that part. There will be trumpets that will be blaring. There will be liar that will be playing. Not that you're a liar, but that it's a liar. There will, be, there will be guitars playing. There will be pounding of cymbals. There will be all of this going on. And Jesus Christ in a crazy, glorious moment will return. And we will be in the middle of all that. And it will be a glorious day. I mean, it will be a glorious day. And so I just, I felt like I was in the room. I turned and looked at my wife and I said, I don't know as the church if we're believing this right now. And we were just kind of going, oh, what a glorious day. A glorious day. And I was going, what if the church believed this, you know? I mean, what if at our very core and our essence we're singing, are you kidding me, God? What a glorious day. What a magnanimous day. And, and I, I believe that's what Paul's talking about when, when he is um, saying in Colossians 1.23, look, all of this goodness... All of this nature of Christ, all of this power of Christ, this gospel of Christ that has moved toward you, it is beautiful, and you have that. And I, I love Colossians 1.23. It says, this is such a great Bible, I just picked it up and it turned there. It's the automatic Bible. You can buy one of these at the Lifeway store. It's just, just say the verse is there. I, I love it. He says, and all of this greatness is there. If you continue in your faith, that's such a challenging theological statement. If you continue in your faith, establish and firm, not move from the hope held out of the gospel. Oh, what a glorious day. A people of hope. This is the gospel that you heard has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, and please fill in your name, because your name probably isn't Paul. There are a few of you that get to say, of which I, Paul and you're still talking about yourself, I have become a servant of this gospel. 
And, I, and this gospel just is a passionate thing for me. And some of us get caught up. What is he saying? Does he mean we work this out? Yeah. That you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is Christ who works in you to will and to act for his good pleasure and purpose. I mean, that's, that's just so exciting. But you could translate this Greek word, as you learned last week, indeed, inasmuch. And I, I think what he's saying here, more importantly then, is this some works-based deal that Paul's sliding in here and that you're trying to slide into us? Absolutely not. This is a response to the gospel. This is a response of the church of Jesus Christ to a song like, the glorious day, which was basically Colossians 1, 15 through 23, when we stopped and said, okay, I get this, and I get the graduate standing up here, but here's what God's actually standing in front of us, whether you're 17 or 18 years old, or you're 118 years old, he's still looking at us and saying, here's what I have for you. Today, I'm asking you to choose. Because there's a whole slew of people that are, that are your age, not just 18, There's a whole slew of people who are running around this planet who are choosing this day to serve every other thing. I'm sorry, I'm frail, and I'm old. I'm no longer functional. I will go serve that excuse. I'm sorry, I'm too young to be able to move for the kingdom of God, so I will go serve that excuse, that small God, that idol. I'm sorry, I am too broken. I am too ungifted. I have got too much past. I have got too much present. I have got too much. And I think think the same thing that Joshua was looking at that at his group and saying the same thing Paul and was looking at this group is saying is look I don't know what everyone around you including in this congregation they're going to choose but as for me and my house as for my life and what I'm going to be passionate about I can tell you that will be stamped on my life marked on my heart and compelled by my actions that I have chosen this day to serve the Lord this day and forevermore what a glorious day and that, that seems to me to be what Paul's asking. He's looking at the church and saying, God, in light of the cross, in light of the bloody death of Jesus Christ, in light of his going to a tomb, in light of his, as Colossians 1 says, his being the firstborn over the grave, his light of his exploding death, hell, and the grave, in light of that, in light of the reality of his resurrection, and then it becomes extraordinarily personal, in light of the reality of his his giving himself and me gaining all that I gained from that, God, I choose this day to serve you. This is not a salvation message, so don't mistake this. This is a walk with God message. This is a Colossians 1.23. Hey, what's going to mark us? And for, for the next couple of weeks, I just want to close this series called I Am and walk us into a, a great series called Sweet Mystery. This incredible mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory. But in closing the I Am, just look, look, here's... Here's what we should say. Here's what we should say. I wrote this sentence last week. I couldn't remember it, so I made it like the central sentence of this week. If you walk away with nothing else, look, I want you to choose this day who you serve because, because here's the sentence. It's in your notes. And I just was listening to a guy talk one day, and this sentence just grabbed me. And I just you know, pulled out. I didn't have a pad. I pulled out my phone and typed this sentence in. Is it possible that the gospel isn't compelling to the lost because the gospel is not compelling among the saved? And I, I was listening to God talk about the gospel, and I was just listening to him so passionate about it. And I started and thought, God, most Christians I know aren't that passionate about the gospel. You know, literally, we can sing a glorious day and pass the time and not react. I don't get that. I mean, we can sing about the second coming of Jesus Christ, for heaven's sake. Literally. We can sing about that and then not move and stir our hearts 
And is it plausible that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not compelling out there because it is first not compelling among us? No, no desire to offend, I'm just asking. As if the church of Jesus Christ is not first and foremost deeply passionate about this gospel, and that would be the if statement. If you're enduring, if you're on this, if you understand what's going on, if you have chosen this day to serve the Lord and you run this race with abandon. I mean, if you, if you I mean, I can think of so many scriptures. If you buffet your body, he doesn't, Paul doesn't write all this, you know, if you just feel good today, if you're having a good day, if it's a good season of life, none of that's in the Bible. How about this? If you will pound your body, if you will buffet your spirit, if you will, if you will be bruised, if you will be lashed to point of death five times over, and while you're doing that, be shipwrecked and count it all joy. If you'll, if you'll have that going on, if you'll endure in the middle of that, the gospel will be prosperous. We're, we're all sitting going, my feet, my feelings are hurt. I don't. This, we're going to wait, just hold on to Paul. Because here's what Paul doesn't seem to do to churches. He doesn't seem to sit around and go, you know, I'm just concerned about you and where you're at. He looks at Colossians in the next chapter, and please just prepare your heart to be offended because he looks at them and says, you're chasing so many crazy things and the gospel is failing among you. Because you've chosen to put so many things over the gospel. And here's, here's what he's just he's sitting and saying. Maybe... The gospel is not compelling to those who don't yet know Christ because it is not compelling among those who do. And he's just looking and saying, so I'm just, I'm just wondering how much you will just, as, as Jesus said, how much you will circumcise your heart for the sake of the gospel. To cut away the things that are just keeping you from the central point of the gospel and saying, God, we, we want to be a group of people. And, and for me, this is, I don't know how you leave this. We want to be a group of people who are passionate about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we, we, we want to sit in this room and kind of tell story after story. And, and this little welcome moment, I know some of you think that was a welcome. It was a, it was a mission statement. I know that you heard like four things. No, it was stories of the gospel alive among us. And the question is, is, as we choose this day, are we choosing to say, God, we want to write stories of the gospel that's, that's so alive. Maybe the gospel is not compelling outside of this fellowship because it's not compelling to us who are sitting here right now. And, and, and I love the verse. Um, I think it's found later in Colossians, the third chapter. So I'm praying this for us, that the word of Christ will dwell, dwell richly among us. That will encourage each other. Are you ready for this? That will encourage each other with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And we'll look at each other. And, I mean, it'll just be weird. You run into a friend at Walmart, and all of a sudden you're going, the Lord reigns! The Lord reigns! And everybody knows, it's, that would be weird. But I mean, how cool is it that we look at each other, and we, and first of all, it would be really bad if I started singing that. Like, they would be going, we're never going to your church. Thank you. So, I mean, but how awesome is it that we look at one another, and we spur one another on as the word of Christ dwells in here. It literally means Jesus came and dwelt among them. It's the same Greek word. He came and lived and fleshed out life among them. And then I love this. So may the word of Christ dwell, flesh out life, show what it means to live with the gospel of our center point among us richly as we look at one another and tell stories and sing songs and write hymns and write new songs and we praise God together. 
May that happen among us so that the gospel is compelling. And there is no if. Here's, what I, here's my goal. First of all, it's a translation issue. And so um, you can take up the word if if you want to. I just like the word indeed. Because indeed, you're going to see a group of people endure because we do this together. There is no if in here. That's, that's how I want to live life. There is no if I'm going to endure. I, I'm looking at you and I'm saying, can we together choose this day? That we will serve the Lord together. That the gospel will compel us. That the glory of Christ will... I have so many words that come to mind. Will rush over us. That will flood us in His grace. And that we as a church, we start looking at one another and going, we've already chosen this day who we will serve. And from this day, from this point forward, we're locking arms together and the gospel is center to us. And if you're not amen yet, at least please be doing it in your hearts. Because maybe just maybe the gospel's not compelling out there because it's not compelling among us. And look, 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 this is what's on the line. 10,000 years from now, every person that's been put into your sphere of influence will spend eternity passionately worshiping Jesus Christ or not. So the gospel has eternal implications through what we have going on in here. And I'm just, I'm just praying, I'm praying that, that God, we, we will do this. And I'm just saying that the, I think the bloodstained cross would just compel us to that. And so my only, my only thought today is like, look, look, as, as a church... We should just kind of share life together with people who are passionate. I love this verse. This is, this is my ending point. So some of you are going, you said a few minutes. It's been more than two. Here's my ending point. Here's my ending statement, my ending thought, but it's a good thought. You should latch onto this. Are you ready? Choose this day whom you will serve. Here's what I love. I love this. I love this statement. In Acts, the 11th chapter, I want to make sure I get this, this story right. I love this. At the end of the verse, at the 11th chapter, I, I, I don't have the verse written down. How bad is that? I think it's verse 26. It says... The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. I love that verse. I love that verse. Here's here's why I love it. Because I feel like in this moment, I'm almost up here just imploring and just almost begging on behalf of Jesus, which Paul does that a lot. I beseech you on behalf of Christ. You know, and he just throws out things like that. I beg you on behalf of Christ. But I love Acts Acts 11. Is it verse 26? Am I off on that? Anybody looking it up? it's verse 26. And so at Antioch, they will first call Christians. Here's what they didn't do. They didn't sit around and go, you know, let's develop a t-shirt. Let's put that logo on it. Let's have a new pastor come up and let's have him do something really neat and intriguing. Let's brand ourselves and let's, let's it says, let's have a, some good marketing strategy to do this. No, no. They were first called Christians. They, this is huge. This is just huge to me. If, if, I hope you're getting I hope the Holy Spirit will let us get this. They didn't name themselves. That's massive for what we're saying today. They did not name themselves. And in fact, the gospel was so central among them that at Antioch, they were first, what's the word? They called them Christians. They just said, There's something so evidenced among you. And I think that's what Paul's saying in Colossians 1.23. If indeed you will endure, if indeed you will press forward, if indeed you will choose this day whom you serve. I mean, it it can just get a bit powerful. It is not a marketing strategy. And it is not us sitting in this room saying, we're Christians, bless the Lord. No, no. What, 
what is happening outside these doors. And there are some people literally sitting in this room right now deciding whether Jesus is real or not. And it is because the gospel is compelling among us that the fruit or manifestation of the Spirit of God is made known in this city and maybe to some sitting in this room. And this is just huge for us. I think you're agreeing. Wow. <laughs> this is good. It's kind of an all-in moment. <laughs> We're having like a draw the line moment here. I don't mind draw the line moments. So, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, so uh, that's never happened to me before. <laughs> We're all in. Here's, here's, I don't care if you stand or sit. You can. Hmm. Yeah, so. Um, wow. So here's what I see happening. I think we should, this is, this is why we just stood. Are you, can we go with this? We just stood because uh, the church of Antioch were first called Christians. And they were called Christians because they believed this. They believed that he was the image of the invisible God. And he was the firstborn over all creation. And therefore, they were in awe of their creator. And that life ebbed among them. What you just stood was to say, God, we believe that you are the firstborn. You were creative. And we, we walk out and, and, and when we venture out, God, we look at your creation. This is what Romans 1 says. Every time we get in this debate about what about people who've never heard Jesus, Romans 1 said, oh God, the creation draws them to yourself. And we as a people who know the creator, I mean, we just literally among us look and go, oh God, this is so beautiful. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or authorities, all things were created by and for him. And if that's true of us among the church, we begin to see ourselves as given for him. We're a part of his creation and we're a people who, as Jesus lives out among us, we live for him. We choose this day and say, oh God, wait, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You knew me before the foundation of the world. You have ordained my days. They are for you. It's by you, God. It is for you. That's, that's just what will happen if you're wondering why we just stood and some of you are going, that was weird. Or some of you are going, that was awesome. I don't know where you land. I'm somewhere right between the middle. That was weirdly awesome. <laughs> he is before all things. He is, listen, 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 listen. This is what gets just going in here. He is the head of the body, the church. So when that's happening along here, we're just all looking around at each other going, Jesus is amazing. We're looking at each other going, the Lord reigns. Here's just a thought. I can't wait to get here. This is going to be, we, look, I think it's starting to happen. We don't know what's going to happen when we roll in there. 
He's the head of this body. He is the beginning and the first. This is, oh my goodness. He is the firstborn from among the dead. So when we gather as the church, we actually believe that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is fleshing itself out among us. It means when we gather in here, we bring all of our hurt, all of our pain, all of our sorrow, all of our loss. And we place that at the one who says, I have taken death and destroyed it. And really, we just notice sitting in this room right now are all of us who are still alive. And somehow there's this connection, according to Hebrews 11 and 12, that all of the saints who have gone before us are also worshiping with us right now. For some of you that have lost people, that, well, that's such a crazy word. Some of you that have said, I've got people who have passed ahead of me. We're worshiping together because he's the firstborn from among the dead among this group. And we walk around as a resurrection people. I mean, and he's the head of this body. He is the firstborn among the dead. God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood. And if we believe that as a church, we begin to walk around at peace with one another. We begin to walk around saying, God has given us peace through the blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have peace with one another. And that becomes such a gospel-centered community. Become such a gospel-centered place where, where you literally walk in here and this is safe place in a world that is anything but safe. You walk in among this group and say, there is peace here. It is the peace that surpasses understanding that guards our hearts and minds forever in Christ Jesus. And it's right here, right now, among a gospel-centered community. Praise God. So if that peace has come to you, it means it walks among us, right? And we have peace with one another through his blood shed on the cross, once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds but because of your evil behavior, but no more, you're reconciled. That means if you're reconciled to God, as I read, as I read Matthew 22, you're reconciled to one another. That means there is wholeness with God. And get this, wholeness with one another, not just that we have peace, but that we are complete together. Wow, that's the gospel among the church. This is what gets exciting. This is what we do together. You actually start to look at each other and go, I need you. And I need you to walk with me because we're whole together. He has reconciled you through his physical body. That means there is no accusation. And that means we don't accuse each other. When the gospel is centered around here, you're free from accusation. And you don't have blemish. And get this, we start to walk among each other. And we look and go, you know what? I know your frailties and failures. And I don't care anymore because I know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I love you in the middle of all your mess. Because Jesus loved us that way. And we walk with our blemishes together. And that's what, that's what happens. It just gets so stinking exciting. I, don't, I haven't even lost my page. The auto Bible quit. And so, I mean, it's... it's, it's if you continue established and firm, and I just get this, get this, and this is the picture, and I end here, just end here, just saying, what they did is they looked into a church that had all this peace and all this forgiveness and all this wholeness, and there was a they, there was a they that was looking at the church because the people of Antioch looked at them and they looked in the middle of them and they said, what we see. What we see in the middle of all of you, what looks so rich in the middle of all you, what is so beautiful in the middle of all you, it wasn't you. We just see Jesus. We just look into the middle of all that. We see all this biblical truth happening, and we see Jesus Christ. We want him. So they started calling them little Christs. Just called them Christians because Jesus was so full and rich among them. And all oh, that Mandarin and Greater Jacksonville, St. John's County, 
the nations would call us Christians. We don't get to call ourselves that, y'all. I hate to break that to you. We don't get to roll out of here and say, I'm a Christian. This is a, we, we're, if, and I'm not referring to that. Call yourself a Christian anytime you want. I'm just saying that this city is not looking for what you call yourself. They want to see Jesus among you and call us that. And I fear that the gospel is not attractive out there because it's not compelling here. But when the gospel captures our hearts, oh God, you will be glorified and we will endure and we will have chosen. Apparently a lot of you chose this day where we're heading. May the rich glories of Christ dwell in the midst of our choice. All glory, honor, power, and dominion is yours, Spirit of God. Amen and praise you, Lord. Hey, we've, we've kind of had a little invitation here. I don't know what we do next. I just, I just feel like there's some... I just feel like there's some healing and some movement of God that can happen as we sing. And so I just invite you to respond to the Spirit as you see fit. I mean, I, we're going to kind of do some things we usually do, but maybe this will be unusual. I mean, Dan Davis is kind of going to front. I mean, he comes here because he loves God and loves to lead people to him. Ryan's going to be at the front because he just wants to connect you to the Lord. But this is the beautiful part of, of what we believe biblically is that you don't need a priest to get you to Jesus. I mean, we fully believe that you go straight to the Lord and you converse with him. You may need to talk to someone, and, and, and it's good to have somebody with flesh, and that's why we're here. But some of us simply need to come to an altar to say, oh, God, may the gospel compel us. And just, just uh, you know, I just want you to respond as you see fit. If, if you need to come to know Christ, um, this is a good day to do that. Salvation could come to your home and your life today. If you need to come and align your life with the body of Christ, this is a great day. Apparently, a bunch of us are going to flesh this thing out together. And even ask for that. Just the Holy Spirit apparently wants us to work this out together. So let's figure this out together. And you want to join in this together gig? Today's a good day. I just invite you to come, to stand, to worship, to celebrate Christ. So can we, I don't know, can we just respond to him as you see fit, as you stand, as we sing? You come if you need, you worship as you need. Filled with his praises One day when sin was As black as could be Jesus came forth to Be born of a virgin Dwelt there for them And they're going to rehearse for a couple